I pray that God would move as always, but I, I pray he'd give something special. There's a lot of people hurting. There's a lot of people going through stuff. There's been a lot of trials, and it seems like they never go away. But God's given us some promises that we can hold on to. I want to take a look at one of them this morning. If you want to turn with me in the book of Ephesians chapter 2, I want to start reading in verse number 1. It says, and you, now y'all understand that says you. Who's you talking to when he says you? Man in the mirror. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Man, I could stop right there and we could give praise for the rest of the morning. And that's all that needs to be said. And you hath he quickened. I was dead on my way to hell in my sins and deserved to go there. But Jesus, the Son of the living God, stepped in yesterday morning by the day we celebrate it and said, enough of that is enough. I got a better way. I got a plan. But it says, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world. Anybody got that one? It says, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience. Yeah, that was us. Um, uh, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past. So if you don't know you're a sinner, there's a verse for you. All of us are just sinners. In times past, it says, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. You know, it's pretty easy to condemn people for the way they live and what they're doing and the way they are. But remember, this is just another way that the Bible says of such were some of you. That's the same place we were. But then it throws in my two favorite words, but God. We were all that and lost in our sin and buried in darkness and on our way to hell, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Has raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. I'm thankful that I'm not waiting to sit together in heavenly places. It doesn't say that I'm going to be seated or I will be seated. It says that in Christ we can sit together, that we're sitting together now in heavenly places, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Wherefore, remember that ye being in times past Gentiles in the flesh who are called uncircumcision by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. That's talking about me. That's talking about you and I, aliens from God, strangers. And it says that we had no hope. I'm glad there's a transitional word right there that changes everything. That's where I was, but now. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were afar off are made nigh by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he is... Our peace, who hath made both one, 
and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make in himself of twain one new man, so making peace. I want to focus mainly on verse 14 and 15 right there in that text this morning. I want to look at a message for just a few minutes on searching for peace. God, thank you so much for being so good. Thank you for peace in the midst of a storm, peace in the midst of tragedy. Thank you for peace that only you can provide. Thank you for peace and death, God, that we don't have to fear death. God, it, it is not a going away, but it's a home going, Father. I thank you, God, for the confidence that we have in Christ. I thank you, Father, that we can be here today gathered as one. I thank you for the peace, God, that we can come together and have church services and we can worship you. God, I pray you'd move on the hearts of your people today. God, I pray you'd speak to each one of us. I pray you'd calm some storms and move some mountains. God, I pray you'd hold some hands through some valleys. I pray, God, that, that you would intervene, God. I pray you'd help each one of us to be more pleasing to you. And most of all, we pray that at this time on this day, God, you'd be pleased with everything that happens, God. May we bring glory and honor to you. We love you, Father. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. can be seated. You know... Everybody wants peace. Anybody in here doesn't want peace? Everybody wants joy and happiness in their lives. There's not anybody on this planet that doesn't have a desire for joy and happiness. The truth is, those who are still lost in their sin, those who are undone from God, who have not yet trusted Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, they can still have all those things. Peace is still happiness and joy and all of those things are available to them even in their life as they are, but they're situational. They can only have peace. They can only have joy, happiness, gladness. They can only have those things if their circumstances allow those things. But God, for the children of God, for the redeemed of the Lamb of God, for those who are washed in the blood, we have the ability in Jesus Christ to have peace in spite of our circumstances. You know, it, it's easy to have peace when things are going well. We, um, Robin and I, actually our whole family, but certainly Robin and I, one of the things we love to do is take the boat in the summer and ride down to the dam of the lake right before evening and watch the sunset. Anybody ever going to watch the sunset on West Point Lake? Man, such a relaxing time. I like to get all the way to the east side of the lake because you got that huge body of water. I love it when there's no wind blowing and most of the boats have gone in for the evening and the sunset, and it is absolutely gorgeous. It is a very relaxing, refreshing time. You sit there and watch it set till it's dark, and then there's nobody else out there, so you just cruise back in in the dark with some little soft lights on the boat. It's an amazing, relaxing time. It's easy to be relaxed. When you're in a relaxing situation. I remember one time we were at the dam, had the kids with us, and it was up more in the daytime, and we were all the way down. I've been riding tubes and stuff, heading back, and a storm came out of nowhere. We're in the middle of the lake, right out where Stroud, v had, uh, we had Ken Veezy Creeks all split off. You ain't near nothing right there. They ain't nowhere to go. And it's coming up the lake from the 109 bridge. There's no way of getting out of it. Man, that thing come roaring in there, wind blowing, thunder and lightning. We're popping up, tossing. We got drowned. That thing, fortunately, thank the Lord, it lasted maybe 15 minutes. It was windy, lightning. It's amazing how fast peace went away. 
the thing moves on by, I stand up and look, and there's another ski boat over there about 100 yards from us. They got caught in the same thing. We looked at each other and like, where did that come from? I'm just saying it's easy to be peaceful when everything's peaceful. But, but things can change in our situations quick. Is it possible to experience peace in the middle of a storm? Is it possible to be peaceful in the middle of something painful? The answer is yes. But that doesn't make it any less painful. Anybody in here ever been disappointed by anything? A couple of us. What, what about this one? Besides myself, has anybody in here ever felt like you were disappointed in God? God didn't show up in your situation like you thought he should? What about this one? Anybody ever felt angry towards God? I'm the only heathen in this house. Y'all going home. I'm going to finish right here preaching to my own self. Like, like, God, you didn't show up. You didn't do what I needed. You didn't do what I asked. You didn't come when I needed you to. All I'm saying is, is feelings are what they are. And sometimes we can't help what we feel, but praise God, God knows that. Jesus came, Jesus gave God the ability to do something that he could not do prior to, and that is feel my infirmity. Feel my pain, feel my suffering. Jesus came that he felt what I feel. So God fully understands what we're going through. He knows that our feelings are valid, and they are. But we can't allow feelings to have victory over us. Trials aren't intended to drive us away from God. Pain has a purpose. Everything that God puts in, many times in a situation, we have to make a choice. When troubling times come, bad things happen, situations come in our lives, we make a choice. You either got to run to God or you're going to run away from God. The joy of the Lord is not peace without pain. It's peace in spite of the pain. It's peace through the pain. We're going to face storms, but a lot of times it's the storms that we go through that reveal the level of faith that we have. We, we look back and we blame 2020 for a lot of stuff, a lot of the things that's happened in our lives, a lot of the things that's happened in our country. 2021 has shown no real signs of letting up. 2022 seems to be going to come in with the same bang. Um, I think the Omicron variance has only been in the States for, what, 10 days now? And I read yesterday has already surpassed the numbers that the Delta variance put in here. Praise God that, it, that the track through the countries that it's taken to get here shows that it's not as deadly. It is not as vicious. It doesn't have a lot of hospitalizations behind it, but the effective rate of it is extremely high. So it's been here 10 days. It's already surpassed Delta variants, and they say it's not going to peak until about the second week of January. So, so there's a lot of anxieties, a lot of things that, that are still going on. Each time we see one of these new COVID variants come, they seem to bring their own new challenge. They seem to come in and welcome in the next new year. But 2020, in the minds of a lot of us, go down as one of the worst years in the history of America. It stole our life in a large part. It made us stay home. We couldn't get with friends. We couldn't get with family. We didn't have sports on television. Lord God, we didn't have much college football. I mean, that's almost sacrilegious in America, right? It, it stole a lot of things. You go now, you go to stores, and, and there's nothing on the shelves. You go to get building materials in the Nottingham Home Depot, you go to the grocery store, and they don't have Charmin. What is the world coming to? I mean, Charmin is a serious national emergency. 
If you ain't got Charmin and, and bounty paper towels in the house, you're in a dire strait. You got some bad things. You go in and shelves are empty. Sometimes they might have some cheap toilet paper, but my goodness, well, I'm staying away from that. I, I just, I didn't even stay to the message. When I get out there, it's when I always seem to get in trouble. A lot of people feel like peace is missing today. At the very least, 2020 is going to go down as one of the most unpopular years in most of our lives, right? Because of all the things that, that it has brought. For, for some people, it feels like their peace has been stolen. There are people who won't go, they won't hardly go out of the house. If they do, they, they've got on masks, they're trying to avoid people. I'm not condemning any of that. I'm just talking about that, that it has stolen peace from people. They, they don't even feel like they can get out and get around. A lot of people felt like they couldn't even go be together with family. Some of you couldn't. Some of you had COVID. And, and we get it. We've missed a vacation. We've missed birthdays. It seems to always show up at an inconvenient time as though there is a convenient one. But, but there's a lot of things going on, and, and people are, are just strapped. They feel like peace has been stolen by COVID. In some cases, it's just stolen by the world. It's not COVID and everybody's. And, and the bottom line is peace is stolen by the enemy. The enemy comes in and he steals joy away. I read a devotion last week. I want to share it with you. It asked this question. I stopped and thought on this question for a while, so I'm going to give it to you. It says, what if it's not our circumstances that steal our peace? What if they just reveal the lack of peace that we already had? Boy, I had to stop and think about that for a while. I mean, think about COVID. Think about your situation. Think about what you're going through. Think about whatever it is in your life that seems to be robbing you of your peace, taking away your joy, and causing you anxiety and problems. And what the, what the thing says in a nutshell is, is what if whatever that was didn't steal your peace? It just revealed a lack of peace that was already present. It got me to thinking before I know it, I was looking back at things, and I did what we all do. This is, this is true in every situation in life. When things get tough, we have a way of idolizing the past. Nobody heard that. When things get tough, we have a way of idolizing the past. We, we look back in life as though nothing bad happened back then. We, we wish things were the way they were. If you, if you have never said, I wish it was like it was, raise your hand. If you have never thought that you have, God bless you. I need to talk to you more often. I know you were taking notes and you got half the question. All you got was a raise your hand part. I, I appreciate you getting that part, though, because I need all the support I can get up here. It doesn't matter in our life, in our church, in everything. There's always looking back to the past. Oh, I just wish things were like the word. But the truth is, the hardest things that have ever happened to me in my life so far happened to me back then. The worst storms I've ever been through, the worst trials I've ever faced, the worst situations I've ever been in, the hardest things that I have ever dealt with in my life to date happened in the past. So, so we look back as though we wish it was back then, and we look at our current situations as though it was different back then. We felt the same way back then that we do now. I've been here, and I wish it was like the good old days since I was knee-high to a puddle duck. 
And, and every day we're always looking, I wish it were like it was. When I was small, I was hearing about, I wish it were like the good old days. But when I sat around and listened to the elders talk, I hear in the good old days was World War II. I hear there were rations. I hear there was no food. I hear there was a shortage of money. I hear the factories were working people overtime. I hear that the church was closed. COVID was not the first time the church has ever closed. It happened back there in World War II. They were called the things they had to shut down the church to stop the gathering of people. So I always hear, I've always heard this idolization of the past, but then when you hear people talk about the past, it doesn't sound all that great to me. I, I hear about things around here and how they were in the church and how the past used to be, but I look back in the past, I know some things that happened around here in the past. It wasn't all that we predicted it to be. It wasn't all that we projected it to be, but we look in life the same way today, like, boy, if it could just be like yesterday. Well, I'm sorry, but I had a lot of troubles yesterday. We experienced a lot of problems yesterday. You know what the difference is between yesterday's problem and today's problem? Is God's grace has already got me through that one. I've already seen him bring me to the other side. I've already seen that God was enough and that he handled that and he brought me to here. But I'm still in today. I ain't seen him get me through today yet. And my faith hasn't grown enough to look back on what he's already done and realize that he still can. So we have this way of idolizing the things that happened back then. But if God brought us through that then, God can bring us through this now. Every year we look ahead. Last Sunday of 2020. 2020. I told you, I'm still behind. I can't get caught up. Is it 2023 yet? Last Sunday of 2021, it does feel like a continuance of 2020. I'll give you that. I can't say that a lot of things changed between the two, but, but here we are coming up on, on 2022. And we always hope that next year is going to be a better year. Man, things are going to turn the corner. Ne next year, things will get better. Next year is going to bring peace. Next year is going to bring solutions to our problems. Now, I'm not denying the problems that the last two years have brought. I'm not in any way arguing that it has been a couple of rough years for the lives. I'm not denying that we have lost tons of people, not just to COVID, but COVID certainly has kicked in and helped. So I'm not denying the hurts. I'm not denying the fears. I'm not denying the anxiety or, or the challenges. I'm not denying the disappointments. I'm not denying the, the tragedies. But the truth is, all those things happened way before COVID ever got here. We've always dealt with problems. They've just been different. So we can't blame COVID and the things around COVID for everything that we face. We can't blame 2020 or 2021 on everything that has gone wrong. We, we can't solely blame our circumstances for the troubles that we're facing on the last couple of years. But we also can't forget that if God allowed our circumstances, then God is doing something. We, we can't forget or, or rule out the fact that, that God is working in spite of the chaos. God is still doing something. The fact that Jesus Christ hasn't come, that he didn't come this morning, means that God still has a plan for today. God still has a purpose. He's still working on things. I looked up the word peace, Noah Webster's 1828 dictionary. There's a lot of definitions. There's a lot of descriptions of what peace is. It says, number one, in a general sense, a state of quiet or tranquility. It is freedom from disturbance or agitation applicable to society, to individuals, 
or to the temper of the mind. So there's an individual peace. Number two, it's freedom from war with the foreign nation. That's a public quiet. Three is freedom from internal commotion. Boy, it'd be a nice one just to have that one, wouldn't it? Did y'all go to sleep after number two? Man, it'd be nice just to have that one. Freedom from internal commotion or civil war. Four is freedom from private quarrels, suits, or disturbance among people. Number five is freedom from agitation or disturbance by the passions as from fear, terror, anger, anxiety, or the like. Quietness of mind, tranquility, calmness, quiet of conscience. Psalms 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law, and nothing shall offend them. Number six, heavenly rest, the happiness of heaven. Number seven is his harmony, concord, a state of reconciliation between parties at variance. Number eight is public tranquility, that quiet order and security which is guaranteed by the laws as to keep the peace. This word is used in commanding silence or quiet as peace to the troubled soul. It is to be at peace, to be reconciled, and to live in harmony. So what is peace and how can we find it? I read something this week. I've probably read it. I've probably seen it before. I sent it to the staff and deacons because it just resonated so much with me when I read it. It, it really spoke to me at the moment. Most of you probably already heard it, but I'm going to give it to you anyway, and I, and I want you to do something. If you're a note taker, you already got your pen and your pad, I want you guys to write it down. Some of you probably got a spot in your Bible where you write down quotes. You're going to want to write this one. If you use a notepad on your phone, go ahead and get it out. Some of you like, I already got it. I'm on Facebook. Go, go ahead and get your notepad out. Matter of fact, if you don't use a notepad, do, do this. You can go back and delete it if you don't like it, if it don't mean anything to you. Get your phone out and open up text messaging and select you. And send a text message to yourself because I want, I want you to have this. I believe at some point in all of our lives we're going to need this statement. It, it, it was something that I was studying Lifeway. It's not one of the ones I typically get a lot of stuff from, but it was actually in part of a devotion by Lifeway, and it did not give who actually said it. They may not have even known, so I can't give credit where credit is due, but this is what it said. Peace is not found in the absence of problems, but in the presence of Jesus. Well, you just sit and chew on that for a minute. I spent some time dwelling on this one. Peace is not found in the absence of problems, but in the presence of Jesus. That means that the presence of Jesus can give me peace in the middle of my storm. Our text in verse 14 says that he is our peace. Jesus didn't come just to give us peace. He came to be our peace. He came to restore us, to complete us, to make us whole again so that we might be one with God. That means that our peace, my peace, your peace, our peace is found in the unchanging God. God does not get all upset when our circumstances change. God doesn't get all bent out of shape and sideways when things don't go like we thought they should. We are never going to find lasting peace in our changing circumstances. But we can always find peace in our unchanging God. Isaiah said in chapter 26 and verse 3, that will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, 
because he trusteth in thee. Jesus is our confidence. He's our hope. He's not just our salvation. He's everything. He's all of our security. He, he is our calm in the midst of our storm. He is the confidence in the midst of all of this confusion. He is our hope in the midst of every hopeless situation. He is our strength in the midst of our weaknesses. Anybody ever felt like you're too weak to get through what you're going through? Jesus says that he's our strength. He is, he is our light in the darkness of our valley. He is our lily in, 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 the, in the middle of the darkest valley. He's everything that we need. He's living water. Like the water came from the rock at Horeb in the wilderness. He is our living water when we're in the wilderness. He is the way maker. He's the one who can make a way out of no way. It doesn't matter what we're facing. He is peace in spite of our circumstances. If we can just learn how to fix our eyes in God's Word, if we can just learn how to fix our eyes on Jesus and, and not on our circumstances, then we can have peace in spite of the circumstances. We can have joy in spite of our situations. We, we can have victory in spite of the battles that we face. Jesus didn't come to change our worldly circumstances. He came to make our life complete. He came to restore us to the Father. He came to complete our eternity. When we focus on Jesus, we begin to experience a peace that, that man can't take away. The world can't take away. Circumstances can't take away. Trials can't take away. COVID can't take away. No situation can destroy the peace that God offers because Jesus Christ is a peace that surpasses all understanding. And when we trust in him, he can stay our minds in perfect peace. A lot of us today, we feel like peace is missing because of the many things that we've been through. A lot of us, peace seems to be so far away that I don't know that we're ever going to be able to reach it. But the truth is, peace is as close as a prayer because peace isn't in a circumstance. Peace is in a person. The person is the Lord Jesus Christ. That doesn't mean that we're never going to be sad. doesn't mean that we're never going to feel disappointed or that we're never going to feel anxious. But what it does mean is that we can find peace in the midst of it. We can find peace when we're struggling because the peace of, of God comes in the presence of God. Romans chapter 15 says in verse 13, The God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. I know finding, finding peace can be difficult, especially in the midst of a trial. Many times it's like God isn't hearing us. If he is, he sure isn't answering us. I'm not by myself, am I? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We, we still all together right here. I mean, like I'm not fired as a pastor, right? I'm... Some, sometimes it is God, either you don't hear me, you're ignoring me, but, but the answer clearly is, isn't coming. Anybody ever wonder if God is going to show up? And if so, when? Anybody know what I'm talking about? I just want to make sure you're on the same page because this means something to me. I want it to mean something to you. Matthew chapter 14, the disciples or in, in a boat. Jesus has done the miracle. He's taken the, the five barley loaves, the two small fishes, 
and he's fed the multitudes, 5,000 men plus women and children. They've taken up, they've taken up 12 baskets of fragments, and Jesus has now sent the disciples away. I think they're headed towards Capernaum, but the bottom line is Jesus sent them out, and, and Jesus has gone himself alone into the mountains to pray. But what we know from studying the terrain is that sea was a lot like what happened to Robin and I on West Point Lake. Y'all know how thunderstorms can come out of nowhere in the summertime? Well, that, that's how this sea was. It's not like they set sail into an oncoming storm. Those things would pop up like thunderstorms and be intense. At least that's what historians tell if you read from the mountains and the winds and the way the thing happened in humidity, that those things, those storms would pop up out of nowhere. But here's what I know. The disciples were in a boat that Jesus put them in. They're headed to the place that Jesus told them to go. They're doing exactly what Jesus said do, exactly when he said do it, exactly the way he said do it. And now because of that, they are in a boat in the middle of a sea, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm. Y'all catch that? They weren't running from God. They weren't rebellious. They, they, they weren't like Jonah. They weren't going in the wrong direction. They were going in the right direction. They were doing exactly what God said do, but here they are in the middle of the night. The Bible says that it was the fourth watch of the night. It is the darkest time of the night, and they find themselves in the middle of a storm. They're afraid for their lives, but when they absolutely had to have him, Jesus showed up. The Bible says that Jesus came walking on the water. He came into the midst of their problem at the darkest time and took care of their problem. John chapter 11, Martha and Mary had a problem. Lazarus was sick. They sent somebody to go get Jesus. I, I was thinking about this. And I don't have any Bible to give you, so I'll just tell you I was just thinking about this. I was wondering how long it took them to find Jesus. I, I mean, they didn't have cell phone, right? They didn't have the tracking device. They didn't have their app. They couldn't look him up. They couldn't shoot him a text. Somebody had to go find Jesus. They're in Judea. Jesus ain't. I mean, do you go north, south, east, or west? Where do you start? I'm assuming maybe Jesus had mentioned where he was going or probably were traveling. But nonetheless, somebody had to go find Jesus. I wonder how long it took to find him. Here, here's what the Bible does tell me. It tells me that when they found Jesus, they said, Martha and Mary need you to come. Lazarus is sick unto death. They, they need you to come do a miracle. And here's what the Bible says. And he tarried two more days before going to Judea. We also know the Bible tells us that he told the disciples you got to go to Judea. They weren't particularly excited about going back to Judea since they were people there that wanted to kill them. But nonetheless, they, they set out to go because Lazarus was sick and they don't understand some things. And Jesus says that he sleepeth. And they said, well, if he sleepeth, he doeth well. And they said, no, y'all don't understand. Lazarus is dead. And I'm glad that he is, that the glory of God might be revealed. But here's the story. Y'all know all that's paraphrasing, right? Here's the story. In the minds of Martha and Mary, Jesus is four days late. If you would have been here when I asked you to come, it would have been okay. If you would have done what I asked you to do, it would have been okay. If you had not waited two days, if you had ran to here, if you had done exactly what I asked, if you had done the way I could envision this, I have complete 100% fullness of faith. I have no doubt you could have healed Lazarus. You could have taken care of the issue if you had only done what I said 
everything would be okay. Jesus said, it is okay. I'm right on time. Where is he laying? No, you're not on time. He's been dead four days. By now he stinketh, Lord. Just show me where he's at. Everything will be okay. I just wonder how many times is he four days late in our situations? All I'm telling you, it's just hope of knowing. What we know from the story is he wasn't four days late. We know that Jesus Christ showed up right on time. He said, Lazarus, come forth and made everything okay. Genesis chapter 18, God has promised Abraham, you're going to have a son. And from this son, you're, you're going to have generations to come. Your, your descendants will be as the stars of the heaven and as the sands of the seashore, innumerable. He's going to come from your son, but guess what? He didn't have a son. He's 99 years old. His wife, Sarah, is nearly 90 years old. And you can say, well, he does have a son. Well, you count that if you want to. But God called Isaac that only son. Because he has Ishmael, but that came from Hagar. That never should have even happened. She should have never been in the picture. He never should have been in Egypt in the first place. He never should have got her. None of that should have ever happened. So Ishmael, that illegitimate, doesn't count. God calls Isaac thine only son. Take thine only son, and what he said is that Sarah is going to have a baby. Abraham's 99 years old. <laughs> he got to be figuring he ain't going to have no baby. Here's his biggest problem. The biggest problem in this childbearing deal is his wife, Sarah. She's 90 years old. Even in the Bible times, it says that that is past the point of childbearing for a woman, and all the women said, praise God. That there is a season when that passes and we don't go through that anymore. But that's not the way Sarah felt. See, Sarah was heartbroken. Because she spent her whole life desiring a child that ain't never come. She wishes she could remember the pain of bearing a child. She wishes she could remember the joy of holding it for the first time. But she can't. See, she's got two problems. She's not just nearly 90 years old and past the point of childbearing. She's barren. She can't have a child. You know what that means? In my way of thinking, in a human, human, Sarah's possibility of having a child is 0%. Is that fair? Anybody going to throw a rock, go ahead and throw it. That's my opinion. How about that? Okay? You have yours. I got mine. In my opinion, she's 90 years old. She's been barren for 90 years. She doesn't have any. That means her chance of having a child is 0%. But God said you're going to have one. And the angel of the Lord told Abraham that Sarah's going to have this child. Sarah overheard the conversation, and the Bible says that she laughed. Oh, yeah, right. I'm 90 years old now, and I've been barren my whole life, and, and now I'm going to have a child? But, but the Lord heard Sarah laugh. In Genesis chapter 18 and verse 14, he asked this question. Anybody, I want you to take whatever you got right here. Whatever your situation, whatever your problem is, however hopeless it seems, it can't seem any more hopeless than Sarah having this child at 90 years old, can it? I mean, she has 0% chance of having a baby at 90 years old, and she's barren, Right? So whatever our problem is, a percentage of it getting better can't be a lot lower than 0%. Agreed? He asked the question in Genesis 18, 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? Well, sometimes that's a hard question to ask when we're the one that's barren, when we're the one that's 90, when we're the one that have a 0% chance of this happening, and then God shows up. He says, is anything 
That's my situation. That's your situation. That's no matter what it is that anybody out there is going through. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Mark chapter 4. The disciples are in a boat again. They're in a storm again. They're afraid for their lives again. There's two things different between the last storm and this storm. In both cases, they're in a boat. In both cases, they're in the middle of a sea. In both cases, the winds are boisterous and the waves are coming over and they're afraid for their lives. But in the first one, it's the middle of the night. This one doesn't say that it is. But in the other one, Jesus had gone away to a mountain alone to pray. But in this one, Jesus is in the boat. I need y'all to understand those two situations. In the first one, they're in a storm in the middle of the night. But they are exactly where Jesus sent them. They're, they're not out of the will of God. Everybody understand that? They are in the exact perfect will of God, and the storm came in their life exactly where Jesus told them to be. The next time they find themselves in a storm that is just as bad, the boat's taken on water, it's about to sink, and the Bible says that Jesus is with them. So once again, we find them in the perfect will of God. They're doing exactly what they're supposed to do. But the Bible says in Mark chapter 4, verse 38, that talking about Jesus, he was in the hinder part of the ship asleep on a pillow. They awake him and they said to him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? I wonder how many people besides myself and these disciples have ever felt that way. Lord, don't you even care? Don't you care? Do you see what's going on? Lord, don't, don't you even care? I mean, the storm is so great that the ship's taking on water. Anybody, anybody feel like your boat's taking on water? Any, anybody feel like your ship's about to sink? For some, the boat's done sunk. Treading water, dog pedaling hard as we can. The only thing sticking up is our nose. We're like a turtle nose poking out. Just trying to survive. Because things seem so bad, so they're taking on this. The disciples are afraid for their lives. They woke up, Jesus, they said, don't you care that we're about to die? Let me pause right there just for another minute. Do you see the difference between the peace of Jesus and the peace of the people? Jesus is in the same storm. He's in the same boat. It's the same stuff going on. They're terrified he's asleep. Do you see what the peace of God looks like? That's the peace that Jesus says we can have. In the middle of the sea, in the middle of the storm, in the boat, taking on water, I can be peaceful enough to lay down and take a nap. It says that Jesus arose, rebuked the wind, and said, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. But Jesus asked him a question in verse number 40. Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Jesus didn't just solve the problem. He, he took an opportunity to use the situation to teach him about faith. There are stories after stories after stories after stories throughout the Word of God where in the minds of men it seemed like Jesus was late. Situationally, it seemed like God didn't show up on time. But in every situation, we have the whole story that Jesus was right on time. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 10 says, Fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee. Yea, I will help thee. 
Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. Habakkuk chapter 2 verse 3 says, For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but at the end it shall speak and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it will surely come, it will not tarry. That means it may seem late, but it'll be there right on time. Just wait for it. Psalm chapter 27 verse 14 says, Wait on the Lord and be of good courage, and he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Nearly 750 years passed between the promising of the coming of the Messiah and the actual birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. In the minds of mortal man, it may have seemed like he was late, but Jesus was right on time. Waiting seasons are not wasting seasons. They're just God doing something in our lives. God hasn't forgotten us. God promises in that book that he will never leave us nor forsake us. No matter what we're walking through, no matter what trial, we've walked through some difficult trials. Every one of us in here together have walked through some very hard times. Together, we have held each other up through some very hard times. But God was there in all of them. And God brought us out of those into where we are. God is directing your story. Wake them up. You hear me? God is directing your story. And every detail is important to Him. Sometimes it seems like we're just not going to make it. But God is the one that's holding us up when we feel like we can't stand. God is the one that carries us when we feel like we can't walk. God is the one that guides us when we feel like we don't know the way. He is always there. Don't be in a hurry to get through the waiting process. Look for the peace in the middle of it. Y'all hear that? I read that somewhere. I wish I knew where. I'm telling you. Don't rush to get through the waiting process. Look for the peace in the middle of it. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, And the very God of peace sanctify you wholly. I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The fact is, true peace is found in a person. And that person lives inside of God's children. Jesus said in John chapter 14 and verse 27, He said, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20. Verse 21 really gives us a couple of things to point out. But verse 20 says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Man, that had to seem like a hopeless time, didn't it? Wonder how hopeless it seemed to the disciples when they're standing there and Jesus Christ is dead on the cross and Nicodemus is taking his dead body down. That probably seemed like a pretty hopeless situation, wouldn't you, wouldn't you think so? But yet in the hopelessness of all, the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant. Verse 21, there, there's, there's two segments right here. You probably ought to underline in your Bible, Hebrews chapter 13, verse 21. It says, make you perfect in every good work. To do his will, that's important to underline, to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight. That's another really good phrase to underline. Well-pleasing in his sight, 
through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I don't know what 2022 holds. Greg, you guys going to play a song? Y'all band, come on up. I know what the forecast holds. It really depends on what statistics you read. I, I get that. But most of the ones I read, they don't offer a lot of encouragement looking ahead 2022. They already say we can expect this COVID variance to spike about the second week of January. So that, and, and they say we ain't seen nothing yet in terms of numbers of outbreaks. So I thank God it's not as, as lethal as the one before. But it doesn't change the fact that people are sick. But the forecast is that the stock market is going to fall. That creates a situation. The forecast is that interest rates are going to rise. And because of interest rates rising, the forecast is that this home buying phenomenon that we've seen where you put your house on the market as some of you have just to get a feel of what it's worth and you put it out there at maximum dollar and a week later you're moving out with more than you were asking for it forecast depending on what you read forecast says that that'll come to an end in 2022 and a lot of that is driven see Raquel's in the real estate business she's seeing the same because interest rates go up, it changes all that. I, I'm just saying there, there's a lot of things predicted on what will happen in 2022. But the truth is, we don't know what next year is going to hold. But as children of God, we know who holds next year. We know who's in control of everything that takes place. And the one that holds next year is the same one that holds you and I. He's the same one that loves you and I. He's the same one that cares for and is concerned about our well-being. He, he is the same one who is directing our lives, and every detail matters. So the truth is, no matter what 2022 holds, peace is not found in the absence of problems, but in the presence of Jesus. Our text in verse 15 says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make himself of twain one new man, so making peace. What if I have you guys just bow your heads just for a minute? You can stay seated. You can get up. You can kneel there. You can come to the altar if you want to. It doesn't matter to me if you need to be. I just want us to take a minute and pray. I want us to, I want us to pray together. I want us to pray. One, one pray Pray for ourselves. Pray for our family. Pray for our problems, for our needs. They're real. They're just as real as anybody else's. So you certainly need to pray for our own situations, but, but pray for the others. Pray for those around us that we know are walking through storms right now. We know that we're walking through trials. One of the greatest ways to experience peace in our own life is to pray for somebody else's storm in their life. God just seems to deliver peace in our life when we pour out our heart to pray for somebody else. So pray for the ones that you know need peace. Pray for the ones that we know need salvation. The ones that, that need a touch from the hand of God. Lord, help us not to focus on the things that we can't change, but to focus on the one that can change everything. Lord, help us to have peace in the midst of this chaotic world that we're living in. I wonder if there's anybody this morning, maybe live stream, maybe out there, you've never trusted Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. You don't even know the peace that I'm talking about because you've never experienced it, but you can. You can't know the peace of God until you've experienced the peace of God. You can't know what I'm talking about until you've felt it. You can't understand God holding you up at a funeral until God's held you up at a place when you should have fell down. But 
The Bible says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That can be you. That can be right here today. It's up to us. It's the free gift of God. It was the gift of Christmas. He came for the manger. He came for the cross. And he paid the price in between. He paid the price at Calvary so that you and I can be saved. So if you've never accepted the free gift, you're not going to earn it. He said, not of works, lest any man should boast. We just read it from the Scriptures. But you can say, Lord, I am a sinner. We know that. The Bible just pointed it out. We are of such. We're some of you. That, that's us. You're either a sinner lost and on your way to hell, or you're a sinner saved by grace just because God loves you that much. So if you're a sinner and you're still lost, Lord Jesus, I'm a sinner. I'm asking you to come into my heart and forgive me of my sins and save my soul. It's not a poem. You don't get to read it. You don't get to repeat it. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ and say, Lord, I want you to be Lord of my life. I want the kind of peace that the Scripture is talking about, and it is the peace of God which surpasseth all understanding. Pray as long as you will. Altars open if you want. Go ahead and sing, guys.